What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Built With Beck, your health and fitness podcast. Coming off last week's episode chatting about my experience with hormonal birth control, this week it's time to start getting back to our roots. We're going to be chatting a little bit more about some more specific health and fitness type topics. So this week's episode, we're going to talk about the most common mistakes I see when people track their food. As a nutrition coach, I've seen lots of different mistakes when it comes to people tracking their food using an app like MyFitnessPal or Lose It, MyNetDiary. You get the point. Whether you are brand new to tracking or whether you've tracked for years, there's always sneaky little mistakes that can work their way into our tracking tendencies, which could definitely impact your results, especially if done consistently. Before we start going over the list of common tracking mistakes, I do want to clarify what I mean when I say tracking. If you're listening to this and you're like, girl, what in the world are you even talking about? I'm talking about using an online food diary, something like MyFitnessPal or MyNetDiary or Lose It, to track the food that you're eating in pursuit of some type of fitness goal. So oftentimes people will track their intake to see if they're eating enough calories, whether that be for their goal of fat loss, building muscle, maintaining their progress, but oftentimes people will take that tracking a step further to monitor their specific macronutrient intake, which is the amount of protein, carbs, and fats that you consume. Through tracking these different variables, you can have a little bit more control over your physique, your health, your fitness. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm referencing tracking mistakes. All right, so let's dive right on in. We're gonna start with mistake number one, which is when we just type the food that we're eating into my fitness pal, we see the food name pop up, we select it, we enter it, and we move on without double checking that the calories are correct, but especially without checking that the macros are correct. I see this most often with two specific types of food. Number one, with packaged food. So for example, just this morning I had chicken sausage at breakfast. And when I typed in the type of chicken sausage that I had, a number of different options came up. I looked for the one that had 130 calories per sausage because I knew that that was the type that I had. There were still like four or five different options, all with different macros listed which on a one-off occasion wouldn't make a big difference. Like it's not a big deal. You don't have to track everything to the exact gram. But if it's going to be a meal that you're eating really frequently, you obviously want to make sure that what you're tracking is the same as what you're actually eating. So packaged foods like the chicken sausage I mentioned, like bread or tortillas or chips or protein bars, you get what I'm saying types of foods that aren't necessarily whole natural foods, but they are processed in some way. You gotta be careful when you're tracking it just to make sure that the numbers are the same as the label. Now this is important for a couple of reasons. Please know, if you don't already know this, anybody can create entries on MyFitnessPal. And I use MyFitnessPal and my clients use MyFitnessPal, so that's gonna be the food diary app that I'm referencing here during this episode. But anyone can create MyFitnessPal entries, which obviously has some pros, right? You can create your own entries. You can look at a bunch of different entries. You can track different recipes and things like that. But there are also some cons there because there are plenty of entries in MyFitnessPal that just aren't accurate. So making sure if you're eating something that has a nutrition label specifically, if it's the first time that you're tracking something, definitely make sure that the numbers you're tracking line up with the numbers that you're consuming. 
a great feature of MyFitnessPal that will keep you from having to do this every time you eat the food is that it will remember or like save the foods that you've eaten before. So if I have this chicken sausage again tomorrow, I'm not going to have to search for it and go find the exact entry I've already logged. Since I logged it today, it's going to be in my recents tomorrow. So it will remember the foods that you've already eaten. So as long as you make sure that you're logging it correct first, then you should be good to go. But if you're thinking through this episode so far and you're like, okay, you know what? I don't actually know if I've ever really looked and made sure that the food I'm logging is accurate. Then this would be a great time to go through my fitness pal as you start tracking the next couple of days. And when you track something, double check and make sure that the macros actually match the foods that you're eating. Because again, it's a pretty common error. Same thing goes for like salad dressings and things like that, where maybe the calorie total is the same, but you look and the dressing that you've been eating is really low fat, but then the dressing that you've been logging has higher fat macros listed. There's just a lot of room for error between the label that's on, you know, the food that you're eating and then the human entering that food onto my fitness pal. So all of that's to say, if you're going to the work of logging your food, at least make sure that that's accurate, right? I also see this mistake happen probably most often with alcohol. I do have an episode on alcohol and your fitness journey coming out here in the next couple of weeks, but if you don't already know, alcohol is technically considered the unofficial fourth macro. Alcohol is not a protein, it is not a carb, it is not a fat. Alcohol is ethanol. The reason that it's called the fourth macro is because although it's not protein, carbs, or fats, Ethanol does have calories to it. That's why alcohol isn't calorie free. I'm not going to repeat everything in this segment of this episode that will be in the alcohol episode, but what's important to know is if you're on MyFitnessPal and you track, let's say like a margarita, or let's say you go to a restaurant, you go to Torchy's Tacos and you get one of their specialty margaritas. So you type it in on MyFitnessPal and you see the entry come up, you see the calories reflected there on MyFitnessPal and they are the same as the calories on the Torchy's menu. So you select it, you log it, and you move forward. It's very likely that you've encountered the same mistake that I'm referencing where the macros of the actual beverage are not reflected in MyFitnessPal. It gets a little tricky with alcohol, and if you want to learn more about this, then definitely stay tuned for the alcohol episode because I'll go over the why behind this a little bit more. But basically, because alcohol is not a protein, a carb, or a fat, oftentimes when people create a listing for an alcoholic drink in MyFitnessPal, they don't put any macro values there for it because you obviously can't track ethanol in MyFitnessPal. So if you're just tracking calories, this might not be the biggest deal to you, but I would urge you to not just track calories, especially on MyFitnessPal. MyFitnessPal has so many different regulations and rules where the calorie totals are rarely accurate. But what happens is you log, let's say, a margarita that says it's 200 calories. If you actually click the listing and you look at the macros of those 200 calories, a lot of the times it will have zero protein, zero carb, zero fat. So if you're tracking your macros, it looks like you'd be accounting for the 200 calories, but there's actually no macros listed. So you would be having these 200 calories virtually unaccounted for. And again, on a one-off occasion, if you have one margarita that week and it's 200 calories that go untracked, it's not the end of the world. But if you're having a number of different drinks or you're having drinks multiple nights a week, and let's say you're in a dieting phase where you're intentionally lowering your calories, that could be an 
easy, easy and sneaky mistake that would put you out of the calorie deficit, meaning just not tracking those alcoholic drinks correctly could even stall your weight loss progress for at least that week. So it's super important to make sure, especially if you're drinking, um, that you are drinking obviously responsibly, but that you're also at least tracking it correctly. So mistake number one is just blindly tracking calories without paying attention to the macros or just blindly tracking a a food entry and not even making sure that it matches with what you're truly eating. Mistake number two is not tracking liquid calories or sauces. This is sneaky. I call these sneaky calories when I'm talking about them with my clients. And sneaky calories are not necessarily a bad thing um, without getting too far off topic. If I have a client who's struggling to eat enough food, I will encourage them to add in some more sneaky calories to their days. Sneaky calories could be things like liquid calories like uh, creamer in your coffee, Gatorade. It could be tea with um, some sweetener in it, like with some honey. It could be condiments, adding barbecue sauce, ketchup, syrup, honey, jelly. All of these things have calories to them, right? Adding pesto, adding butter. These things help increase calorie totals without necessarily increasing the amount of food that you're eating, which can be useful if I have a client who struggles with low appetite or struggles getting their calories up. I give the opposite advice to someone with the opposite issue. If I have someone who's going into a dieting phase, one of the easy ways that we put them into a calorie deficit without necessarily restricting their food too much is we try to minimize those sneaky calories. So we opt for tea without the sweetener. We opt for less creamer in the coffee or black coffee. We opt for fewer condiments throughout the day, less jelly on their bread, less butter on their toast, things like that. So when I talk about mistracking or not tracking sneaky calories, it's because a lot of the times I find this to be true with people who are new to tracking. We think of tracking our food, of course, but we don't always think about tracking our drinks um, or especially those condiments. Or when it comes to condiments specifically, people either believe that the condiment is much lower in calories than it is, or we underestimate how much we actually eat of it. So ketchup. Ketchup is totally harmless. I don't think that anyone in the entire world is overweight because they're eating too much ketchup. But again, if you're in a dieting phase, you're being really specific with your macros, you're trying really intentionally to lose weight, but then you're dousing everything in ketchup because your food is bland and you want some more flavor to it. I don't know why you would do ketchup, but just for the sake of an example, you could unintentionally accidentally be overeating with just tons of different calories from different condiments. Ketchup is like a weird example. I don't know who would overeat ketchup, but think of it with like other examples. Um, For example, sugar often gets a bad rap, right? And people will instead encourage things to be sweetened with honey because it's more natural and this, that, and the other. Um, Honey is a carb. Honey has carbs. Honey has calories. So if you're not really thinking about it and you're dousing everything you eat with tons of honey trying to sweeten it and lower the amount of like white sugar or brown sugar that you're putting into your food, Number one, you're still eating sugar, but number two, those are lots of carbs unaccounted for. So it's just important to understand that basically everything you consume is calories. It's not a bad thing at all, but if you're trying to be intentional with your tracking, things like that, definitely be sure that you're not letting things like condiments slip through the cracks. Same goes for liquid calories, whether that be from an alcoholic beverage, creamer put in your coffee, a soda, what have you, sneaky calories add up quickly. Mistake number three is mistracking alcohol, which I kind of already started to mention when I was talking about, you know, looking at the calorie totals and not having macros. 
I again will get further into this in the alcohol episode, but just know that alcohol does have calories from ethanol, right? Um, We know that protein and carbs, for example, are four calories per gram, and we know that fat is nine calories per gram. Ethanol is seven calories per gram. So even though it's not the same as protein, carbs, or fats in their values, and just because we can't track ethanol in MyFitnessPal as easily, we still need to account for those calories. So again, I will dive into this further in the alcohol episode, but essentially to correctly track alcohol, what you wanna do is take the calorie total of the beverage you're consuming and track the total calorie value as carbs and or fats or some combination of the two. So if you're gonna be having a glass of wine that's about 130 calories, making sure that when you log that glass of wine, number one, you're accounting for 130 calories, but number two, that you're tracking it accordingly through carbs and fats. Mistake number four is tracking something as raw, but eating it or weighing it cooked or vice versa. So let's say you go to the grocery store and you get a pack of chicken breast. So you go home, you're getting ready to grill the chicken breast for dinner, you grill it, you put it on your plate, you weigh it out and you realize, okay, I'm having six ounces of chicken breast. You go on MyFitnessPal and you type in six ounces of chicken breast and you find a listing that says like six ounces of raw, boneless, skinless chicken breast. You click it, you log six ounces, you submit it, you're good to go. The issue though is that you have tracked the food as raw when you are eating it and you weighed it as cooked. This is a huge difference. Cooking the food, depending on the type of food and depending mostly on the cooking method, is going to directly change the weight of the food. So for example, if you are grilling something, if you are roasting something, if you are air frying or baking something, that cooking process is causing water and moisture to evaporate from the meat or the food of choice, whether it be vegetables or protein, whatever it is, those cooking methods cause the water to evaporate. So the cooked item is actually going to weigh less per gram or per ounce than the raw item. Because again, the raw item has more moisture to it, which obviously is gonna impact its weight. So meat, for example, cooks down by about 25%. So what this means is if you have that grilled chicken breast and you weigh out four and a half ounces, that's actually gonna be about six ounces raw chicken breast. So you can see how this is gonna make a big difference if you're mistracking protein at every single meal, every single day. The solution here is to track it in the same way that you are consuming it. So for example, if you are weighing and consuming the food grilled, instead of typing in just chicken breast, type in grilled chicken breast. That would be more accurate than just mistracking in general. You can also estimate the difference in weights. So because meat on average cooks down by about 25%, you could take the cooked weight in ounces, divide it by 0.75, and that would be around the approximate raw weight in ounces, or you could take the raw weight in ounces, multiply it by 0.75, and you would get the approximate cooked weight in ounces. But the most accurate way to do this is to track everything raw all the time as best as you can. So weighing out in advance, okay, how, you know, how much do these individual chicken breasts weigh and deciding do you want the full chicken breast, do you want half of one, but weighing it and tracking it raw and then cooking it and consuming it from there. Just because obviously depending on how long you cook the meat, how 
like the temperature that you cook it and all of those different factors are going to impact how much moisture has been in been retained by and been lost by the protein so that's just something to keep in mind carb sources like pasta and rice obviously also change in their weight when cooked obviously if you're boiling something or you're steaming something it's going to actually be heavier afterwards because it's absorbing more of that moisture so cooked pasta is going to weigh more than raw or uncooked pasta so just things to consider but that is one of the most common tracking mistakes i see is people having that discrepancy between how it's tracked versus how they're actually cooking and eating it. Up next, mistake number five, mistracking or just mistakes made when tracking at restaurants. I'm going to say it again, one-off mistakes. If you go out to eat like once every two or three weeks and you're not tracking it super accurately or you're not tracking at all, it's not going to make a significant difference in the grand scheme of things. But many people go out to eat multiple times a week. Even if they're not going to eat at a restaurant, they're ordering takeout, they're getting drive through they're eating foods that they don't actually prepare. And so obviously those errors, those mistakes can add up big time. So mistakes when going out to eat, I think it's important to understand that you're never going to be 100% accurate with your tracking ever, but especially when you're going out to eat. So some of my top tips for at least increasing the accuracy of tracking when going out to eat Number one, track by ingredients. So by this, if you're getting a burger, don't just go on my fitness pal and type in cheeseburger, right? Instead, try and track things individually. So if the menu says it's on a brioche bun, great. Type in brioche bun and log it. Um, If there's, you know, like the track the patty, if it's a different type of burger, like a bison burger versus beef, track it accordingly. If it says that there's cheese on it, track the cheese, track the condiments, track the sauces, track the sides, track all of that kind of stuff individually. Because how are you supposed to know if the burger you're tracking is even somewhat close to the type of burger that you're eating? Same idea goes for like a pasta dish. Instead of tracking like, oh, if you're having a veggie pasta, instead of just tracking veggie pasta, Type in the noodles, type in whatever veggies it says are listed, type in whatever type of protein you're adding into it, add in if there's any kind of cheese. You get what I'm saying here. There are some dishes like maybe a lasagna or like paella or something where it's not realistic that you would be able or, you know, that you could track every single individual ingredient that goes into it. Um, So if you have something like that where it is a very standard generic kind of meal, then yeah, just log lasagna, log paella, whatever. But I would, I mean, my original advice would be if you're tracking, if you're going out to dinner and you care enough to track it, I would track something that would be easier to track. So um, especially with things like sandwiches, like burgers or whatever, like I was mentioning, it can just be a lot easier, even salads. Instead of just typing in like garden salad, type in, you know, if there's candied nuts, if there's a particular type of dressing, if there's cheese on it, track those things individually. It's going to be far, far, far more accurate than just looking up a random entry on my fitness pal. But one other general rule of thumb to follow when going out to eat, again, this is like if you're tracking when you go out to eat. I have like many of my clients who take free meals once a week where like they just don't have to track it. They just go out to eat and enjoy it, whatever. Um, We don't focus on tracking every single thing. And I know for myself, even if I'm in a season of life where I am tracking a bit more diligently, oftentimes when I go out to eat, I'm not going to track that specific meal. 
but I also rarely go out to eat for a meal. So it's a bit different there, but a good rule of thumb if you are tracking is to always add in extra oil when going out to eat. So I normally will track a tablespoon to a tablespoon and a half of olive oil or something um, with the meal even if I'm tracking like grilled chicken and, and things like that, because we know that the chef back there does not care about your macros, right? He's adding the butter, the oil, the, all of the extra stuff to make it taste really good. So again, if you're trying to be more specific, try and track things by ingredients, try and order more like simple whole food based meals, and then always account for extra oil. All right, two more mistakes I see. Um, up next is what I call passive tracking. This is less about a mistake that you're making in the moment and more so kind of like a longer term issue that I see people making with tracking. And this is when we only look at tracking as the goal of reaching certain numbers, right? So we're not really even paying attention to the calorie total or the protein total or, you know, the macro split of a given meal. We're just obsessing over my fitness pal and focusing on making our meals hit our goals. The reason why this becomes an issue over time is because it makes it really difficult to actually learn anything about macros. It makes it really difficult to let macros inform your decision-making processes when it comes to like food-related decisions because you're not actually paying attention to the meals that you're eating. You're not actually paying attention to the calorie totals or the protein totals of certain foods. You're just obsessed with like hitting specific numbers. This is definitely something that I struggled with when I started tracking macros. When I worked with my first coach, I was so obsessed with hitting my macros well that I wasn't actually like learning about building a balanced plate. I was not reliable at like eating without tracking. I was not reliable at estimating. I was not reliable at, you know, any of that kind of stuff because I'd been tracking so passively. I wasn't, again, building a plate of like, okay, do I think that this amount of chicken has a solid amount of protein? Do I think that this amount of food has sufficient calories to hold me over? Like I was not thinking through any of that at all. I was literally just like, how many grams of this chicken, how many grams of this cheese or this pasta do I need to hit my specific number goal? And I didn't actually learn anything for a while. So passive tracking is very tempting and it can be very easy to just like turn your brain off and let my fitness pal tell you what to eat. But it's just going to make things more complicated for you down the road if or when you do decide that you want to stop tracking as much. And then lastly, the final mistake is something that I've alluded to throughout the episode so far, but this is like being so obsessive with macro grams and every single number being flawlessly with the targets that like it becomes an issue. I'm not going to be talking about like a full on, you know, eating disorder where I would definitely encourage you to work with a licensed professional, but I am talking about obsessing over the exact gram of macros that you've consumed that day or how it, you know, lines up with your totals. If you are, you know, tracking that you're going to have 75 grams of blueberries and you pour 80 grams into the bowl and then you sit there and you try and pick out five grams of blueberries so that it's more accurate. No, <laughs> full stop. That's not necessary. That is borderline disordered eating patterns. I'm not going to say you have an eating disorder if you do that, but it doesn't need to be that specific. Okay. It does not need to be that obsessive. I always tell my clients the number one, like if they're tracking specifically, the number one thing that we care about is staying within your calorie goal and hitting protein. Like as long as you hit calories and protein, carbs and fats can be so much more flexible. 
I, for one, prefer like a higher carb diet. I just like carbs. I like lower fat foods ten, uh, typically. But yesterday I had a salad with a bunch of fat in it. Like I had cheese and nuts and salad dressing and all of that good stuff. And so subsequently my carb intake was lower because I wanted to hit my calories. You don't have to hit everything to the gram. So again, if you're pouring like food out or if you logged that you were going to have five ounces of chicken and you have 5.25 ounces of chicken, that's okay. Give yourself permission to not be exact. It doesn't matter in the long run at all whatsoever. And it's probably better for your mental health and your relationship with food to be okay with being a little bit more flexible. All right, well, those are some of the top mistakes that I see when people start tracking their food, whether they're just starting to track for the first time or they've been tracking for years. I hope that you learned something in this episode. If anything, I hope it reminds you that you don't have to be perfect to make progress, but if you are putting in the time and effort to track, I don't want your efforts to be wasted. So if you have any questions on this, you want to learn more about common tracking mistakes or tips for tracking, don't hesitate to reach out to me. My contact information is always in the show notes, whether you want to reach me by Instagram or email. But that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week.